Well, welcome, ladies, to Women's Bible Study. We want to say a special welcome to all those who are joining us online. If that's you, welcome. It's great to be with you. Uh, two announcements for us today. Ladies, we are so excited about our upcoming women's conference happening right here on our church campus on March 24th and 25th. Our theme is Unleash, and as always, our conference is a great opportunity to connect with other women, connect with God. There will be opportunity to pray with other women, to get to know other women, um, and our hope is that you would leave more encouraged in your faith in Jesus than when you first came. So we're really excited for that. As always, we're also going to have some fun stuff planned. So we, the cost for joining us in person is $35. That includes lunch and a gift. Uh, we also have an online option. Joining us online is free. You can register for our women's conference on our website. Uh, last I checked, there's almost 60 women currently registered. So we would love, and we're hoping for uh, 700 women to register for women's conference and you guys are some of that 700 so go on our website register and we hope that you can join us and please invite a friend for that as well and then we also want to let you know we have a class here at christian assembly um, if you are new to bible study or new to christian assembly this ministry here is part of christian assembly church and so we have a class at christian assembly called partnership it's a four-week class that meets on sunday mornings it meets in the month of february and it's a great way to get more connected to learn more about who we are as a church what we believe and how you can get involved so if you're new or maybe you've been around for months or years or decades, it's still a great class for you, so you can get more info about that on our website. Those are our announcements for us this morning. You guys, I'm honored and excited to get to continue our, in our teaching. We are continuing in the Gospel of John. Today we're in John chapter 10, and we are going to jump in and talk about what God's Word says, but before we do that, let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you so much for the gift of Women's Bible Study. Thank you for the gift of each of the women that you've brought here and all those who are joining us online or in satellite groups, Lord. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for how true and reliable and trustworthy your word is. Thank you, God, that you speak to us through your word and that you long for us to hear your voice and to know you and to follow you, Lord. And so, God, just be with us. I pray I pray, Lord, that you would be with anyone here or online or in a satellite group that doesn't yet know you and trust you, but who's kind of checking things out. And I pray that you would speak to them, that you would help them to hear your voice and your leading and to know without a doubt who you are, Jesus, and all that you've done for them. I pray, Lord, for everyone here who has said yes to you, and I just pray you would strengthen them in their faith and that they too would hear from you and be encouraged, Lord. So we invite your Holy Spirit to be so present here and to move throughout this teaching throughout the reading of your word and just in and through our lives lord so we pray all this in your great name jesus amen well ladies we are in john we're going to focus on the first 18 verses of john 10 today so let me read that to us and we're going to jump in this is also in your books and on the side screen so john 10 starting in verse 1 says truly truly i say to you he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. 
So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So this is the main passage from John 10 that we're going to be in today. In this passage, Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. And then he also tells us that God's people, so those who believe in Jesus, are his sheep. Now he also says that there are other sheep that are not of this fold. And he says he's going to bring them in and they too will hear his voice and they will follow him. And so these other sheep who are not of the fold, these other sheep Jesus is referring to are the Gentiles. And he says they will believe in him. Later in verse 26, Jesus says this, and he says this to the Jews. He says, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So there are some who are among Jesus's sheep and there are some who are not. There are some who belong to the flock of God and some who don't. If you are here today and you believe in Jesus, then according to what we just read in God's word, you are one of God's flock. You are one of his sheep and Jesus is our good shepherd. And so I want us to spend a few moments looking at what it means that Jesus is our good shepherd. The Gospel of John contains seven statements about who Jesus is, and they're often referred to as the I am statements. And we've read some of these in the previous chapters of John. So in John chapter 6, Jesus says he's the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he says he's the light of the world. And now in John chapter 10, in the verses we just read, Jesus says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And in order to understand what this really means, we have to understand a little bit about what it means to be a shepherd and what role they would play for their sheep. I am going to go out on a limb here and say that I do not think any of us in this room have ever been shepherds. If you have been a shepherd, or that is currently your occupation, please find me after, and I would love to learn from you and hear from you. But I'm guessing most of us don't have much understanding or information about what it means to be a shepherd. In Jesus's day, however, and in the Old Testament, people would have been so familiar with what it meant to be a shepherd. The way it used to work in a community is that there was one large sheep pen, and at the end of the day, people would bring their sheep into that sheep pen, and they would often gather their money together, and they would hire a gatekeeper who would then stand watch at the door of that sheep pen. And then the next morning, 
All the shepherds would come. They'd come in the gate or they'd come through the door to the sheep pen and they would call for their sheep and they would literally call for them. They would use their voice and the sheep would recognize only their shepherd's voice and they would follow their shepherd out of the pen. So the sheep were led by their shepherd. They would go wherever the shepherd led or directed them. Another interesting thing about shepherds is that sometimes they would create a sheep pen. They would put their sheep in it and they would have one entrance, one opening where you could enter or you could leave from. And the shepherd would actually lay down in front of that door as though he was becoming the door to that sheep pen. And of course, the shepherd did that as a way to protect his sheep and to keep them safe, which is interesting considering that earlier we read in, in verse 9 that Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So when Jesus says he's the door, what this means is Jesus is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to salvation and forgiveness of sins. This world and our culture loves to tell us that all religions are the same, that all religions are true, that it's way too exclusive to say that there is only one way to be made right with God. But the Bible, God's authoritative word, tells us there is only one way to the Father, and that way is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to the Father and to salvation except through Jesus. He's the door. So what this means is you can't find salvation in your good works. You can't find salvation in your job. You can't find salvation in your relationships or in your riches or your bank account. The only way to be made right with God and to find true life in him is through Jesus Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. So Jesus is the door. And then John also tells us Jesus is the good shepherd. And I love that it uses the word good. Jesus isn't just any shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. It's important for us in understanding this to understand that throughout the people of God's history, throughout the history of Israel, God's people had a lot of examples of bad shepherds. Some of the leaders who were supposed to be shepherding God's people well and caring for them well weren't. They were actually mistreating them. We see this in the book of Ezekiel, which is one of the books of the Bible in the Old Testament. And I want us to read some of the verses from Ezekiel chapter 34, where you'll see that God is basically condemning the religious leaders for the way that they were mistreating his people. But then God also promises a future coming shepherd that's coming for his people. So here's what we read. We're going to skip around in some of the verses in Ezekiel 34. The word of, and it'll be on the side screens. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. And skipping to verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. 
As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And then finally in verses 23 and 24, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. So this passage in Ezekiel gives us a lot of context for what it means when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Jesus literally fulfills what we just read in Ezekiel about God sending one shepherd. At the time of this prophecy in Ezekiel, King David is already dead. So this prophecy isn't saying King David is going to be the one true shepherd, but rather it's talking about a shepherd and a king that's going to come from the family line of David, which Jesus does. It's talking about the Messiah. Jesus is the one shepherd that God promises to his people. And so in John 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he is telling people, I am the one that the Old Testament talked about. I am the son of God and the promised Messiah. I'm the one shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd that's gonna feed his people and care for them forever. He's the good shepherd that's gonna seek the lost and bring them back. He's the good shepherd that makes his sheep to lie down in green pastures. Jesus is unlike any earthly or worldly shepherd, but he is the good shepherd that will lay down his life for his sheep. Four times in John 10, in the verses we read earlier, four times in John 10, we are told that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And of course, this is referencing God's ultimate care for us and for the world by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus literally laid down his life for us. The Bible tells us that God created each of us on purpose and for a purpose. He loves us. He loves you and me. He has good purposes for us and wants to use us for his glory. But the Bible also tells us we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark of God's good and glorious standard for us. The Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glory. And the penalty for our sin is death. That's what we actually owe if we had to pay it on our own. But the good news is we don't because God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin, a penalty Jesus did not owe, but he paid it out of his great and deep love for us. And Jesus paid that penalty by dying on the cross, laying down his life for us. He died, he rose again, and the Bible tells us that if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are saved, you're made right with God, you're forgiven for your sin, and you receive the promised gift of eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus, our good shepherd, has done for us. And the promised gift of eternal life is mentioned in John 10. It talks about this. So in verses 27 to 29, we read, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So what this means is that if you are God's sheep, if you have heard his voice and responded to him and chosen to follow him, then Jesus is giving you eternal life that starts now and goes all the way into eternity. It means death will not be the end of your story. It means that you will get to stand before the judgment seat of God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and no one, according to the verses we just read, no one can take you or snatch you out of God's hand. It means we have security in Christ and security in our salvation through the blood of Christ. You are forgiven and made right with God. You are no longer under condemnation and you have now and forever the gift of eternal life. If you're here or if you're with us online or in a satellite group and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made a, made a decision to follow him, I'm going to give us an opportunity before we're done today for you to do that. And even now, you can just say, God, I want you to be my good shepherd. And I also want to speak to anyone here or with us online or in a satellite group. Maybe you're investigating faith and maybe you're hearing what we're talking about, but you're not sure, you don't, you don't understand, you're not convinced. I want to encourage you even now just to pray and say, God, I'm here, I'm not totally convinced, but if you are real and if what all these people are talking about and if what Jesus says in John 10 is true, then would you reveal that to me? Would you show that to me in a way that I cannot deny that it's you and your voice and your calling in my life? So Jesus is the good shepherd and he will always be our good shepherd. And we see this in the last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 7, 17. It says, for the lamb, and that's referring to Jesus, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So God's sheep belong to the good shepherd and the good shepherd loves us, he knows us, he cares about us and he guides us. And so with our time remaining, what I wanna do is I just wanna share a few practical ways that I think we can lean into this and live out what we've been reading and talking about in John 10. And so I wanna share four of those practical things with you. One of the, one of the main differences that we see between a sheep and a shepherd, you guys, is their role. A sheep is meant to follow and a shepherd is meant to lead. And so our role as God's sheep is to follow him. Our invitation for all of our lives is to follow Jesus and his leading in our life. And so four practical ways that I think this can play out. One, if you are God's sheep, then your life is no longer your own. If you are God's sheep, then your life is no longer your own. John 10 talks about Christians being God's sheep. They are his sheep. The shepherd owns the sheep. If you've said yes to Jesus, that means you belong to him. You are his. Your life is no longer your own. And what that means for us as Christians is we can't just keep living only focused on our needs, our wants, our desires, and our dreams. We can't live only focused on this world and what this world offers, but we have to live focused on God and focused on his mission and his purposes. It means that we can't do whatever we want, whenever we want, if it goes against what God's word says is right. It also means we can't believe whatever we want or whatever the world tells us is true if it goes against what God's word says is true. As Christians, we belong to 
God. And what that means is our life is no longer our own and we are now meant and designed to live for God's glory. We are designed to praise him and honor him and give all glory to him. I follow a lot of small businesses on Instagram and I follow this one. I bought this canvas banner from one and I love it. It was cute, but I especially love what it says. And it says, do it all to the glory of God. And I hung that in my boys' room. I have twin boys who are age six. I hung it in their room over a world map that we bought them. And I hung it there because I want my boys to be boys and eventually men who live to do everything for the glory of God. I want that to be true of them today and always. I want that to be true of me. I want to be a woman who does everything I possibly can for the glory of God. My life is not my own, and if you are one of God's sheep, then your life is not your own. You belong to Jesus and to the flock of God. And so one question to consider reflecting on related to this is just how might it change the way you live if you remember that truth, that your life is not your own, but you belong to God? So how might it change the way that you live? How might it change the way you work, the way you parent, the way you are a wife or a friend? How might it change the way that you live? If you remember the truth that your life is not your own, but you belong to God. Second, if you are God's sheep, you can trust his care and his protection for you. If you are God's sheep, you can trust his care and his protection for you. I think something that is true of all of us here is that each of us have probably had moments or days or weeks or even months or years where we felt as though no one cared about us. We felt unseen, we felt unloved, we felt overlooked. Maybe you have felt unseen in your workplace, maybe you have felt unseen or overlooked at home or in your marriage or in friendships. Maybe you find yourself in a lot of friendships where you just feel like, I just keep pouring out and giving and none of these are really reciprocal. Why isn't anyone asking me about me? Maybe you find yourself in a season of grief. Some of us are in deep, deep seasons of loss and grief. And maybe you find yourself in one of those and you're just feeling like, when this first happened, a lot of my friends were reaching out to me, but it's been a couple months and it seems like people have forgotten that I'm still in this season of grief. We've all had these seasons where it feels like no one cares about us. But the truth is, even in the midst of those seasons, we have a good shepherd who cares about us and he loves us. And whether you feel it or not, if you are God's flock, you can trust in the care and the protection of Jesus. For me personally, you guys, these last couple of weeks have been a bit rough. They've been pretty emotionally draining and exhausting. And for me, I don't know about you, I don't necessarily love sitting with my emotions. I like to do the healthy thing and avoid emotions because I read that that's healthy. And that's what counselors say to do. Don't quote me on that, that's sarcasm. So I do not love sitting in emotions, especially my hard and negative emotions. I don't like to sit with the pain, with the disappointment, with the loss, with the grief. But there was a point last week where I was just like, I just need to sit with the Lord and I need to share this stuff with him. And the truth of it is, since doing that, not much in my circumstances has actually changed, but I have changed because I spent time with the Good Shepherd. I have more peace because I spent time with the Lord and I brought that to him and he cares about me. And his care doesn't always mean that our circumstances are gonna change the way we want them to, but 
no matter what our circumstances are, as God's flock, we can trust that God cares about us, that he's in control, and that he will protect us. One of my favorite Bible passages is Psalm 23, and it's a psalm that I often go to in difficult seasons of life, and I spent a lot of time in it probably over a decade ago now and memorized it, but I first started spending a lot of time in it because I hate flying. I had to get on an airplane. I was super anxious, and Psalm 23 was going to be like my go-to this is what I'm going to say as we take off and land. And so it still continues to be a psalm that I come back to over and over again. And I went back to it last week as well when I was in a rougher season. I'd gotten some sad news about a friend in my life. And so I want to read Psalm 23 over us because it gives us such a good picture of what it means that we have a good shepherd who cares about us. And so it'll be on the side screens behind me. But here's what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely my cup overflows. Surely, I just messed that up because I was doing it from memory. Sorry, guys. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of my favorite psalms. Highly encourage you. Sit in it. Memorize it. It's so good. But ladies, Jesus is our good shepherd and he cares for us like a good shepherd cares for his flock. And so even if it feels like you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and some of you, if you're honest, are literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you can know as God's flock that he is with you, he loves you, he cares about you, and you are not alone. Even if you don't feel it, you have a good shepherd who is walking with you and by your side. Third, You can trust Jesus as the good shepherd even if you've been hurt by bad shepherds. You can trust Jesus as the good shepherd even if you have been hurt by bad shepherds. Some of you have been hurt by leaders in the church that you respected and loved and who you thought were appointed to care well for you. And if that's your story or the story of someone you know, I'm so sorry for that. I have sat with women who have shared their stories about churches they've been part of, leaders who have hurt them, leaders that were appointed to shepherd the flock and protect the flock, but instead they did the exact opposite and they didn't actually protect the flock. And again, if that's your story, I'm so sorry for that. There are some not so great shepherds. There are some abusive shepherds. There are some really bad shepherds. And there are also some really good shepherds that are trying to follow Jesus and do what his word talks about in helping to lead and guide his flock. But if you've experienced a bad shepherd or you know someone who has, just know you're not alone because when we go back to that passage we read in Ezekiel, even God's people in the Old Testament experience some bad shepherds. And that doesn't mean it's right or that it's okay, but it is a part of living in this sinful and broken world. When it comes to pastoring and shepherding God's people, it is a huge responsibility for someone to do that. And it is not a responsibility that should be taken lightly. First Peter 5 
says this, it's an admonishment or an encouragement. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. For me personally, I have, all the, I have had the honor of working here at Christian Assembly Church for over 16 years. I've gotten to be on pastoral staff here for over 10 years. I've gotten to work on our awesome women's ministry team with you guys and gotten to do that for almost three years. And I hope you know for me personally, I love what I get to do. When I journal and pray in the morning and I thank God for different things, I am constantly saying, Lord, thanks for calling me to be a pastor. Thanks for letting me do this at CA. Thanks for what you've called me to do. I am so grateful that God has called me to be one of his pastors and shepherds. But pastors and are not, pastors and church leaders are shepherds appointed by God, but they are not the good shepherd and they are not the chief shepherd. Only Jesus Christ is the good and the chief shepherd. And he will never fail you the way earthly shepherds have and earthly shepherds will, even if you've been hurt by bad shepherds. And again, we are so sorry for that. You can still trust Jesus as your good shepherd and as your ultimate shepherd. And one side note on this, ladies, I would just encourage you, pray for your church leaders, pray for your pastors, pray for your women's Bible study leaders, pray for anyone that God has appointed to shepherd his flock. And then fourth and finally, if you are God's sheep, don't live like you don't have a shepherd. If you are God's sheep, do not live like you don't have a shepherd. If you are God's sheep, then you belong to the good shepherd. But just because you belong to him doesn't mean that you're always going to choose to obey and follow him. Sheep like to stray, and unfortunately, we are like sheep in that way. We too like to stray. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. If you are God's sheep, are there any ways where, if you're honest, you have been trying to live like a sheep without a shepherd? Is there any part of you that has been choosing to do your own thing or go your own way regardless of what God's word says? Are you intentionally straying from or disobeying God's commandments? Are you intentionally choosing sin or even habitual sin when you know that it is wrong and not what God wants for you? Are you resisting God's guidance and whatever the good shepherd might be inviting you to? Are you intentionally and regularly spending time in God's word? One of the ways that sheep like to live without a shepherd is that they don't seek his leading through God's word. If you want to hear God's voice, if you want to know him, you have to read his word. You have to spend time in his word. And a side note, some of what we've been talking about in John 10 has to do with hearing the voice of God. And I do believe, we do believe that God speaks to us and that could be a whole nother sermon. And if you're here and you're like, I wanna know how to hear God's voice, how do I hear his leading in my life? 
me, Coley, Tanya, there's lots of women here that would love to chat with you, so find us. But one of the main ways God speaks to us is through his word. And another key truth to remember about trying to hear God's voice is that God is never going to speak something to you that contradicts what's in his word. So if you think God's spoken to you, but it contradicts what his word has already said, then that wasn't God, because he's not going to contradict what he has already spoken to us in his word. And so as Christians, we must choose to spend time in God's word and to give God's word ultimate authority in our life. In John 10, verse 35, Jesus says these words. He says, and scripture cannot be broken. And the message translation translates it this way. It says, scripture doesn't lie. God's word is reliable, it is trustworthy, and it is true. And so if we want to be sheep who faithfully follow the good shepherd, then we must spend regular and daily time in God's word, and we must choose to give his word ultimate authority in our lives. If you are God's sheep, do not live like you are a sheep without a shepherd, because you're not a sheep without a shepherd. You're a sheep with the good shepherd, and you belong to him. What I want to do now in closing is I just want to give us a chance to respond to what we've heard, what we've talked about today. And this is just between you and the Lord. And so I encourage you to take whatever posture is comfortable for you. Close your eyes. You can put your, your notebooks away. But I just want to give us a couple different invitations to sit with the Lord on this morning before we head to table time. And so God, even now, I just want to pray, I just want to pray that you would speak to us in this few moments, Lord. God, show us whatever you're inviting us to. Teach us how to hear your voice, Lord. For women sitting here thinking, I don't even know how to hear from you, Lord, and what you're inviting me to, would you teach them and would you speak to them in a way they know without a doubt that it's you, Lord? But God, would you show us your invitation? Would you show us how to live as sheep, with the good shepherd. And for anyone here who's not yet your sheep, Jesus, who hasn't yet said yes to you, God, I pray that you would speak to them and open their eyes, even in this moment, to the truth and the reality of who you are and all you've done for them, Jesus. So a couple ways to respond. First, for those of you here who are Christ followers, how have you been doing with following the good shepherd? And are there any ways that if you're honest, you've been trying to live like a sheep without a shepherd? And I just encourage you to sit with those questions for a minute. If you're a Christ follower, how have you been doing following the good shepherd? And are there any ways you've been trying to live like a sheep without a shepherd?
You can keep thinking on those questions, and as you do that, I want to give an invitation for anyone here who hasn't yet said yes to Jesus, who hasn't yet become part of God's flock. Earlier, we talked about the gospel. We talked about the good news of what Jesus has done for us and that he is the only way to the Father and to salvation and a forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus, but you're ready to do that now, whether you're here in person, you're with us online or in a satellite group, we want to give you an opportunity to do that now. And all you have to do is confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you for your sins and commit to following him. And if you're ready to do that now and make a first-time decision to follow Jesus, you can just pray where you're at. You can pray this silently. You can whisper it. You can scream it aloud if you would want, and we would celebrate with you. But you can pray right now, and you can just say, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose three days later. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and I commit to following you, God, all the days of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, that means that you are welcomed into the family and the flock of God. Jesus is your good shepherd that loves you and cares for you and wants to guide you and you can follow him all the days of your life. If you prayed that prayer, if you made a first time decision to follow Jesus, would you please let myself or Coley or Tanya know, let your Bible study table leader know, we would love to follow up with you, walk with you in your journey of following Jesus and we would also love to gift you with a free copy of the New Testament so that you can begin reading more of God's word. So God, thank you so much for each of these women here. Thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. Thank you for the authority of your word. Thanks for giving us your word. Thank you for being our good shepherd, Jesus. God, I thank you for any woman who made a first-time decision to follow you, Jesus. Would you strengthen her faith in you? God, I thank you for any woman you brought who doesn't yet know you but is investigating. God, I pray that you would chase after them. I pray that you would pursue them and that they would hear your voice and your calling this week and that they would say yes to you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus. God, for all those here who are your flock, thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that you care for us, Lord. Even this week and whatever we go through, whatever valley of shadow of death that we are walking through, God, will we sense you near to us? Would we hear your voice and will we trust you this week as our good shepherd? We pray all this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.